And I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see a really exciting change of the whole travel booking experience and the way that it's, it's going to become an experience in itself. If someone offers you the chance to travel somewhere in virtual reality, what's your response? This week's guest is Globetrotter VR's CEO and founder, Anastasia Pash. And we're finding out how they are helping to bring travel to a wider market and make sure that everyone has access to experiences and education. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we bring you interviews with leaders from across the industry and a little bit of tech news. Welcome to Friday's show. I am joined by a quiche monster, Carlanta. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. You all right? Yeah, yeah. You are a monster, apparently, according to regular listener Hannah Stevens. Oh, really? Why, yes. Why because, am I a monster? Because you don't play Christmas music till nearly the 20th of December. Mate, I think I think when you put that up, some people agreed with me, didn't they? Um, well, I don't know. I, I, it just got back to me that... Uh, that you're a monster. So I, I thought I'd let you know at the top of this show. Thank you. Make you feel good about your Friday morning. Thank you, Hannah. I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still sticking to it. It's the 19th of November and uh, I've not heard, well, I've not played a Christmas song. I have actually heard it. I was in a shop yesterday um, in London and I was queuing up to pay for something that I bought and uh, yeah, they were playing Christmas songs. So... Yeah, it's, they've been playing them for a while. You've you've not been in shops. Yeah, no, I've not. I've not been in shops. No, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> and yeah, how how are you looking forward to your weekend? Any plans? Uh, not really. Um, the football is back, is it? The Premier League is back this weekend. Um, yeah, that's so, well, yeah, well, yeah, it's well, it's for both of us actually. To be honest, <laughs> neither of our uh, affiliated clubs are doing that that well. So uh, you know, I, I'm escaping it by jumping on a plane on Sunday. Where are you going? Spain for a week. Oh, beautiful holiday. Um, yeah, well, I've got fifteen days to use between now and the end of January, so mm. we're going to go. We're going to go stay with Haley's mum and dad Lovely. for a week. So with, with just seeing in-laws. family with the in-laws. With the in-laws. Still got a bit of work to do next week. Yeah. Um, still got dial into a couple of meetings because it's a bit last minute. But it does. It does kind of give us a link into today's guest, Anastasia, um, the founder and CEO of. Uh, Globetrotter VR, because whilst I'm lucky to be able to jump on a plane to Spain at short notice, traveling is something that obviously has been a, bit, a little bit tricky up until very recently, Akish. Mm, it has been, it has been. Um, yeah, so it's great to see what these guys are, are doing and bringing um, for everyone, I guess. So look, we'll, we'll hand over to the interview and then we'll come back with some commentary on it afterwards. And later in the show, we're going to have a little bit of chat about Apple. So today I'm chatting to Anastasia, founder of Globetrotter VR. How are you this morning? Hi, David. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. How are you? This is one of those wonderful interviews where you meet someone out at Web Summit in Lisbon. Um, and I now have absolutely no idea where you are. I'm right now in beautiful, sunny Cyprus. I'm not jealous at all being in Southern <laughs> England. <laughs> This is this is the great thing about having a startup in the uh, 21st century, I guess, 2021, right? You can, in fact, work from where, wherever you want to be. So, Any particular reason, Cyprus? Um, well, actually, I was lucky to grow up here. So I was born in Russia and moved out here with my parents when I was seven. Um, mm-hmm. Back then, it was very different. And um, after I sort of finished my university and worked in England for a while... 
um, I started my own company and I thought, you know, Cyprus is not a bad location to come to every now and then because it is beautiful, sunny, and I've got family here. And then mm-hmm. when COVID hit, uh, we were in Barcelona at the time and I decided that given the strict lockdowns that we were seeing all over Europe, Cyprus was a place to kind of wait out the whole situation because there's loads of outdoor space. Um, again, we've got family here. So decided just to come here for now but we don't know what the next steps are we're you know looking at england and barcelona dubai there's a lot of really interesting opportunities in all those countries so we're gonna uh, wait and see but i think we're going to be moving very soon we might come back to that because i think that's an interesting thing for a lot of founders who are starting businesses right now to consider but let's backtrack for a second what is or who are globetrotter vr So Globetrotter VR is a platform for virtual travel. We have uh, created a way for people to experience destinations from their home uh, with the power of virtual reality and the guidance of professional tour guides. The idea was born out of my own experience of working with the travel industry to create virtual experiences for them. I did this from 2016 and worked on some amazing projects all over the world, um, in Europe and in Africa, and even won some awards in the US, uh, which was amazing. And then I thought, okay, hold on. So there's obviously a way uh, for people to explore destinations virtually, and they enjoy having this sense of being there through 360. How can we make this into something scalable that will actually allow people to improve the way that they travel? And the initial idea was to essentially create a tool to let you plan your trips and experience the tours and activities at destinations. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this was end of 2019. Um, We started developing the MVP and COVID hit. And we were sitting there in our apartments, um, you know, respectively uh, trying to figure out a way to work together remotely uh, using Zoom, different virtual uh, co-working tools. And we decided that for now, um, the idea of, you know, travel planning is not going to be relevant um, anymore for a couple of years because, you know, things are going to take some time to get back to normal. So why don't we use the technology to really allow people to experience the destinations why they cannot travel? And Mm -hmm. so we started building on that premise and started working with tour guides in different cities. So we've got, um, you know, Barcelona. Uh, Budapest, Berlin, um, Edinburgh, Paris, Milan. So a lot of kind of top European destinations that uh, essentially allow people to kind of test them out, you know, get a sense for what it feels like to be there, uh, hear the stories of the place, you know, because at the end of the day, it's the stories that make it interesting. Um, and a lot of the time it's it's the stories that you hear uh, through the people that you meet when you travel that really make travel Um, kind of mind opening and worthwhile for a lot of people. So we really focused on that. It's bringing these stories to life through the help of these tour guides who are obviously experts in storytelling in their culture, in their field, and uh, using that in virtual reality. Now, a lot of the things that we've been struggling with is how do we create something that's experienced, that's how do we create something that's immersive and interactive while also being accessible? So we've decided to work on the technology, which is called web VR. Uh, that essentially means that anybody can access these experiences from their computer, their mobile phone, or their tablet. So you don't actually need a virtual reality headset 
to do our experiences, which I think is really important. So, look, I find this really interesting on a number of fronts. Um, first of all, if I think about VR, I go back, oh, it's probably five years ago maybe now. We had Tamara, the co-founder of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, on the podcast. Um, and they were talking about using VR as kind of a booking tool. You know, mm-hmm. if someone wants to go to a villa and they want to book a villa and a, they're a family and it's actually the flow of a villa and it was less it was less the tour guide less the experience piece but it was that kind of okay let's let's think about the flow let's think about our experience of the holiday because if you know if the kitchen is here then where are the bedrooms where are the kids bedrooms what you know all of those bits and mm-hmm. pieces um and i remember talking to uh one company as well that were looking at kind of designing vr for um for cruise ships to try mm-hmm. and help people kind of book trips so i was like okay as as a as an addition to the booking process totally get it because it's like you, you see pictures on something but you want to get a real sense for it before you necessarily kind of pay and you know I, I went on a holiday a couple of years ago to the Maldives and and you kind of the 360 views of the room really help you kind of when especially when it's a lot of money kind of go is this going to be mm-hmm. worth it absolutely and I totally get as well the the experiences piece if you think about like magazines like uh suitcase which is kind of content-driven uh, travel writing where they, they really invest in long-form articles to bring stuff to life for people before they decide to book, uh, or Culture Trip, which experiences are right mm-hmm. at the heart of it. I, I get that. Where does this plug in? Because I guess are you, you're not a standalone piece in the travel industry. You're not – otherwise, you would, be, you would be a travel agent. It would be a kind of a plug-in to a, to, to, a, to a booking a holiday piece. So I guess you're supporting – enriching experiences i'm just trying to work out where the commercial piece is Mm -hmm. because on its own is there enough of an appetite from people to pay for those experiences without necessarily going it would appear to me it feels like it's supporting all of that piece yes absolutely um you're right in the sense that it definitely supports still supports the sense of checking out the destinations before you go there so a lot of the people that we uh, speak to, our customers, they are saying that, you know, I I was either in that, at that destination, but I didn't get to see all the different places that I wanted to check out. So I wanted to do the virtual tour to kind of supplement that and add to that experience. Or they're looking to go somewhere uh, and they want to check it out and see how it is, you know, how would it feel like, where would they want to go? Um, or maybe there's bits that they actually want to like just tick off because, you know, they just say, OK, I've done this virtually. Like I know about the history. I can move on and do the fun stuff now. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the time it is that it is about not replacing travel in a sense, but really supplementing it from a sort of a B2C standpoint. So when we're selling experiences online, um, there's obviously the you know element of the B2B side of it where we're helping companies to figure out how to use this technology to tell the stories of their services and their products. And uh, we're working on a couple of uh, big projects that we, you know, are really confident are going to make a huge impact on the way people are experiencing the process of planning their travels and booking their travels. And I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see a really exciting change of the whole travel booking experience and the way that it's it's going to become an experience in itself. And I'm really excited about that. Um, and then finally, of course, you know, we must not forget that 
you know, travel is a privilege um, for mm -hmm. sadly for a lot of people. Uh, there is no time or you know, resources to go on, you know, holidays every month and to check out all the destinations that you want to see. And, you know, it's a fun thing to do when you're you've got some free time. Um, you want to take a break. You kind of want to disconnect. And instead of watching a Netflix film, for example, you could do something like this. And it's a little bit more interactive, a little bit more, I guess, enriching in the sense that you're experiencing a culture and learning about it. Um, so there's there's also that angle. Out of interest, have you done much research? Because it's, it's interesting you say, you know, when you want to distract and unplug and you just stick a film on. I often find myself when I'm somewhere taking a moment on those last day or two before you return home, say you stood on the beach and going, oh, you know, could just hold on to the sights and the sounds when I get home. It's kind of just, you know, you have you have a minute sometimes where you just kind of stand and kind of take it in. Is mm -hmm. there much of an appetite for people to, as VR gets more immersive from a mental health perspective, to be able to stick on something that's truly immersive and just rather than it being a tour guide or something, just go, you know what, lo load up a beach in, mm -hmm. I don't know, the Caribbean and just Absolutely. sit and chill for a moment. Absolutely. And then, the, you know, there are great startups all around the world doing this uh, VR for mental health. And such virtual meditations are cropping up everywhere. And there is, you know, scientific evidence of the fact that that actually allows you to change the way that you're feeling, change the sort of the wavelengths of your brain, relax you a lot uh, more. And I think it's very powerful whether people are going to be um, using that to, uh, you know, just relax in their day-to-day -day or it's mental health um, dealing with mental health problems obviously depends how that use case is structured but yeah I definitely think that uh, you know as our lives become busier and busier and people are living in cities and not everybody's got the opportunity to you know get out of the city go to the beach be in nature and it's so important to us all uh, even that sense of being in nature in VR already has that positive impact on your physiology. So there is a lot of value to it. So obviously we, we met at Web Summit and you were exhibiting, you had one of the alpha stands. Um, why were you there? What did you hope to achieve from having a day on the floor and, and what did you get from it? Well, why were we there? Uh, obviously, it's Web Summit. You know, as a startup founder, it's a very exciting opportunity to be offered the stand at the floor. And for us, it was a great way to meet customers. It was a great way to make connections with businesses and companies that we uh, were hoping to meet. And, you know, we believe that those relationships can develop to something really great in the future. Um, but also just to be, you know, amongst the people who are there, who are interested in technology, who are interested in trying something that's different and cutting edge. And whether that's someone that will subscribe to our mailing list because they like the product and they will become a customer or an investor who's interested in this space and will want to come on board as um, an investor in the company. So overall, it was a great experience. It's very hectic, obviously, but um, very worthwhile. And what would your advice to be to any would-be founders who are thinking about going to a conference like that and they don't know whether it's necessarily worth the time or investment? Uh, it's a very good question, actually. Um, especially big events like this, 
it can be very difficult to navigate it and make it make it worthwhile for you. So one is choose the people that are going to go there depending on what you want to achieve. So if you would like to go and meet potential customers, you need someone who's outgoing and who can walk up to people and be like, hey, have you heard about this? Do you want to try it? Um, and who's you know able to have those conversations easily. Um, and if you are going to be participating in any of the public speaking um, or the pitch competitions, obviously there needs to be a person who's confident in doing that, who enjoys doing that. Um, and then plan. Uh, you know, plan your goals, figure out what is it that you want to achieve? Who are the people that you want to meet and have conversations with? What needs to happen for you to say that, yes, this conference was a success? Because otherwise you just kind of come there and it's 40,000 people and there's events happening, there's talks everywhere, there's booths everywhere. And it's so difficult to just make sense of it that you could just end up kind of wandering aimlessly and not really get anything done. So you mentioned at the top that you were trying to work out what next for the business. You, you've kind of grown or you started this process in lockdown and you said, you know, restrictions were getting quite tight. So you decided to go to Cyprus, very obvious reasons, having grown up there and with family there. But what, what do you think is the best way of building a business like yours in, in the world that we now find ourselves in? You know, you, 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 you painted this situation, which is both wonderfully kind of opportune and also perhaps quite difficult to navigate where you go could be london could be barcelona could be dubai that's difficult to know right because communities being close to communities being plugged in is really important when i was out in lisbon i spent time with the chilean delegation and, and you know i had no 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 appreciation of how um advanced chile was as a company as a country rather and as an economy mm -hmm. and they were in lisbon because they felt the need to have that proximity to the european market so i guess all these things weigh in a founder's mind i'd just love to know how you're making those decisions mm -hmm. um well for us right now the next step is to close our round of funding mm -hmm. and the the way that we're structuring our kind of marketing and outreach right now, we're focusing on the UK um, and we're also seeing some traction in the US. So for the future, I can envisage that there's going to be, you know, a presence in both in the UK and the US where I'm going to be spending time personally. Time will tell. Um, I like to move around. Obviously we also have this, um, um, sort of B2B side of it, the um, marketing and, um, you know, the big projects on the, on the commercial side. It depends if I will need to be in places like Dubai for that. So we're kind of, I'm, I'm waiting out to see what things will come about in the next couple of months and make the decision there. I've gotten used to living in this sort of uh, situation where you kind of go with a flow in a sense or you just let things come to you and let that determine where you go next. The great thing about myself, well, I find it's a great thing. I don't really have an anchor in the sense I can easily pick up, you know, my bags and go wherever I need to go. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it. So with regards to the location, it's kind of undecided. Yes, Cyprus is also a great thing for, you know, for founders who are building startups in the IT space. And this isn't a pitch for Cyprus, uh, but there is a um, very beneficial 
um, fiscal structure for companies that are generating money from IP in Cyprus. So if anybody is listening to this and wants to check it out, um, please, you know, feel free to reach out to me or just do some research online. Um, you can get, um, you know, set yourself up with a company here and get taxed at a rate of 2.5%, which if with anyone who's creating sort of IT companies, this is amazing. Um, and then with with regards to uh, the way the company is going to go, um, you know, in terms of the production of the tours, we obviously have a very small catalog now, but we want to increase that and grow that. And um, obviously, once we have the funding, um, we're going to increase that production, but also we want to start opening it up to people while everything has been quite in-house and we've, you know, been very um, kind of, careful about what we put out there and making sure that mm -hmm. we've we've done everything kind of manually ourselves we want to open it up to other content creators to start to have maybe influencers coming in and doing their own tours of you know their city or the places that they love um, so just to make it more accessible to other people to create the content we wanted to set the best baseline of the quality of the product and what it should look like um, and then in the future open it up to more creators you mentioned that you have a fairly small catalogue at the moment, but within that catalogue, which is which is your fa your favourite destination? This isn't a, a question about the quality. It isn't a question about because I appreciate you know some of the earlier uh, pieces of of production work might not be quite as good. I don't know, but um, you know, just from a very personal point of view, which you kind of go, oh, that's that's such a great place. Do you know what? I actually haven't been to most of the places that we have in the catalog. I've only visited them virtually. And this is the funny thing. I've experienced it on myself that doing those tours makes me feel like I've been there and I know about this place like Budapest, Berlin, Edinburgh. I've never been there, but I feel like I have. And um, I have to say, though, my favorite destination out of all of them is still Barcelona. Um, because it's in the south, yeah, it's a yeah. little bit, you know, it's sunny, it's warm. Um, <laughs> I'm just all about that. <laughs> I'm not. See, gonna... <laughs> unfortunately, you won't get a real appreciation for Edinburgh unless you find yourself being able to walk into a fridge somewhere. Uh, <laughs> having grown up <laughs> only about an hour and a half away from Edinburgh on the same coastline, I can promise you that as good as VR will be, uh, unless unless you're standing somewhere quite cold you're not going to get a full appreciation for it <laughs> right well maybe that's even better you know you could you could sit on your comfortable warm couch and oh, no, no, no. Like you've been, no. <laughs> no, no no absolutely but but i will say this there is something one of the, my best experiences uh, and this is very random uh edinburgh has um uh, a, a mosque kitchen uh that you can basically go up to the doors of and they will serve you incredibly cheap but incredible uh, food from the mosque kitchen. Kind of if you love curry, kind of kima mm -hmm. style dishes. Mm. Uh, and you sit on these long kind of trestle table benches under corrugated iron and it, in a kind of basically a, a car park with a bit of cover. And I mm -hmm. sat there with two friends um, shivering in the rain as kind of the drips between oh. the corrugated iron trying to find bits of the bench that were dry and it was heavenly because the food was amazing so <laughs> you know what even the weather can't spoil it when the experience is that good yeah 
<laughs> Thank you for your time. Um, really appreciate you you sharing us sharing a little bit about Globetrotter VR and, and your experience at Web Summit. And, and I hope that the funding round closes successfully and that you can work out where the next steps are. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right. So Anastasia launched Globetrotter VR with a vision to make travel more accessible and tourism more sustainable. So looking for the best tour guides in top destinations and putting their love into creating a virtual experience. And I get it. I do like listening to her. Yeah. I get it. Um, I have to say when I first saw it in passing and I, and I met her at, at Web Summit, I kind of went, well, is this like an alternative to travel rather than an accompaniment to travel? And I think that I was a little bit um, narrow in my thinking. And obviously it's, it's just broadening that research and also enriching that traveling experience, right? Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's just, I, I think when, when, when I kind of heard the, the interview, it was more about, I personally thought it was a case of, you know, knowing exactly what you're, about to get into or maybe just having a bit of a, a kind of flavor of you know the types of things that you can do but I don't think it is an alternative I think it's more can you call it an enhancer um you know something that can enhance your travel experience when, when you go let's face it like I I would the way I look at it is very much in that in that grouping of research and um enriching that experience of working out where to go and then when you I don't know about you, but when you've booked, when I've booked a holiday mm. and it's like a significant special one, you kind of go on the website and you look on the Instagram and you kind of do what you can to kind of go, all oh, right, that's where we're, going to, where we're going to be in like a couple of weeks. And you have that wanderlust bit. And this is like taking that up a notch. Mm, mm, mm. And I think this is like, the thing is it's showing you exactly what and how things can be and what it can look like. And I think she kind of alluded to it, but like if you've got families or if you've got certain you know, kind of things and activities, it actually gives you a very good understanding of, you know, kind of what to expect and, and how things are going to look like when you get there. And uh, people in, in England will probably understand this, but it's the old, like, you know, if you ever watch like the Inbetweeners movie when they go to the hotel in Spain and it's like they get there and it's nothing like it was in photos and, you know, that sort of thing. It's almost like everyone's been... Well, I have anyway, but everyone's been kind of struck with a a, a hint of misfortune um, mm. when you book certain things from you know home and you're going somewhere on holiday and you get there and it's it's nothing like it looked like on pictures on the website. Um, yeah. And I think something like this, using that tech and using kind of virtual reality, it it basically puts you know you in that place, right? For yeah. for a few moments. Um, which is Absolutely. very, very good. And there's a strand on on that, putting you there for a few moments that we might pick up on a little bit later. But I, I, I also think we've got to be aware that we are both reasonably privileged in as much as pretty well-educated, fair amount of disposable income, mm. decent, secure jobs. We can travel. And there is an element to this, which is around sustainability and access. Mm. Like, not every... like. It's all very well me saying getting excited about a kind of a marquee holiday and I can drop a fair amount of money going somewhere very nice. Mm. Not everyone can do that. Mm. And there is an element that this might be a great way for people to explore what other areas and what places could be like. And maybe they'll get there one day. Mm. Maybe they won't. But I suppose it doesn't make it like we're not at the beginning we said, is this an alternative? For us, 
it's probably not oh. but that's our situation and i suppose an awareness of that and that for some people it, it's an opportunity to to see what other places might be like and, and, and let them dream a little bit about going there. Yeah, and, and I think that's a very good point, really, because it, it also gives a bit of aspiration and a bit of motivation, right? Um, yeah. To kind of people, I mean, I was looking on their website earlier and they've got like, you know, tours of Barcelona, Dubai, Budapest. Um, Edinburgh. Edinburgh, yeah. As Anastasia points out. <laughs> Harry Potter in Edinburgh, yeah, very important. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like it's almost like bringing a little bit of fun and joy to someone and you don't know what people's lives and situations are and you know like you said we we are quite lucky but maybe something like this can actually you know provide them and give them a bit of a pick-me-up and especially where everyone's been in the last 18 months I mean just imagine if there was someone who's shielding right for example and that's had a knock-on effect on their mental health, and and maybe they just don't feel comfortable now or confident to you know step out and do maybe those things. Something like this, with the involvement of tech and yeah. a great idea, would maybe just bring a few moments of joy to them, and and you know kind of actually put them somewhere else rather than the four walls that they've been in. Really. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I'm reasonably lucky. I think I'm fairly mentally robust as an individual, but mm. last. Last year, about this time, in between the lockdowns, mm. my wife, brother-in-law, and his partner went to Spain, mm. mentioning that at the top of the show, to spend a weekend in Alicante with Haley's mum and dad. And I couldn't mm. because I was in the midst of various different medical yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I wasn't kind of, oh, shit, yeah. you know, I can't go, isn't this depressing? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> but... Had I been, maybe something like this would be a great way of making that more bearable. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I think, I, I think, I think, um, I think just having something, basically something to to then, you know, have in front of you and bring into reality, um, I think is great. You know, it, it's it's almost like, do you remember you used to have those books back in the day that you used to see. Well, when I was young and, and probably when you were young and you used to get on a plane, you used to see like um, families reading on the plane. Do you remember like things to do? Let's say you were yeah. going to, I don't know, Barcelona, for example. And it's, there was always a mother, you know, who was reading like top 10 things to do in Barcelona. Which you won't do. No, exactly. They're just reading it. <laughs> they picked it up from WH Swift for four, like £4.50 or something. Um but I think something like this, it just allows you to, to, to know exactly what you want to do and, kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, rough things. Um, I've, I've got one of those for London and I lived in central <laughs> London for over a decade and didn't do most of it. I've never been to the eye. Have you not? No, nope, never been on the eye. Really? Yeah. Oh, mate. We should, oh. It, it, <laughs> you better say we should go. We should, we should go. Well, you've got to go there, mate. You, li- you literally live and, well, you work at like a stone throw away. Um, yeah, and yeah. it only takes fifty minutes to get into the South Bank from here. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I'd probably say leave it for when the the weather's a bit better and a bit clearer. But it, it's an experience, you know. It's, there we go. Yeah, there we go. It's nice. Uh, I've always just thought we we work in a tall building. I'm kind of like okay with that. Mm. Anyway, there was one other thing we wanted to talk about, and we kind of touched on it, and that's the mental health aspect. And I do think that that this is something that could also be tied in with, you know, you, you know, have you got, you've got mind, mindful apps and, and, and various different mm. kind of meditative services that are appearing online. I think that this ties in quite neatly because the idea that 
you could be stuck in November. We're alluding to the fact it's, it's a bit grey outside. Mm. If you could have five minutes sat on a on a beach mm. in the Maldives mm. uh, or the Caribbean, mm. that would be quite nice. Exactly, and and I think that you know with the like the the live tours that they've got on their website and stuff, like yeah, you know if you've just been sat at home and you know whatever, it is pretty depressing, especially this time of year. And if you can then get you know kind of just a little walkthrough of places, um, I think it's great. And especially, I, I like what they did with Berlin. I think they've done like an LGBTQI um, kind of like you know, how the history in, within that community is in that kind of, you know, the world's largest LGBTQ plus capital. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, it, it, it's providing something for everyone, really, um, and, and, and something really good. And also, I think she, she alluded it to, she alluded to it in the start of her interview where she was like, well, you know, in, you know, the 21st century, if you're working for a bit of a kind of tech startup, you can pretty much work wherever. So if there is someone who's, you know, a lone ranger or who's got their own organization and startup, who's looking at different places to live and work, something like this gives you a great insight of what it can be like and what, you know, things there are and possibly find a way out of being, uh, yeah, getting away uh, out of the, the cold and horrible weather in uh, in England at the moment in November. Yeah. And there is that other thing that you're kind of alluding to slightly there, like, a form of escapism when we sat on a sofa at home, we watch a film, we open a book, mm. you know, the Harry Potter tours, right? Mm. It's a form of escapism. It's not that different really. What's mm. so, what's so if we, if we kind of sit on the sofa, read a book or put a film on sticking on a headset and just kind of being somewhere and exploring it for a few minutes seems, seems perfectly normal. So I think when we kind of talk about VR experiences, people go, Oh, it's a bit weird. Mm. But actually, is it? Mm. Um, anyway, look, I think that's uh, that's a good point to go to an advert break. Thank you, uh, Anastasia, uh, for your time as today's guest. When we come back, we are going to be talking about Apple, uh, which Akish has referred to as a wagamama make your own kit. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear, Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the high-low movement. So yes, this is the news that Akish sent to me this morning. So bloody, bloody topical, bloody collaborative and on it right now. Apple have announced a self-service repair scheme in a win for campaigners. So Apple has announced a self-service repair program that customers who are comfortable can fix their own devices. At launch in early 2022 in the US, it will cover a placement of battery screens and cameras in recent iPhones. But Apple's new repair store will sell more than 200 parts and tools. It comes after months of increasing pressure on Apple from the grassroots right to repair movement, which wants individuals and independent to repair, uh, independent repair shops to be able to fix electronics. Um, I mean, I think this is good. Mm. Um, Very good. Because if you break an iPhone, it costs almost as much as getting a new iPhone to get it fixed. Correct. Correct. I also th- this is this is where this is where I think 
it, it is good because I, I'm an Apple user, um, you know, and pretty much everything. And a lot of the times I've had to go in and I've been that person that has broken a screen or needs a, a battery changed, um, especially when, you know, th there's new models and we all know the, the you know, kind of, um, I guess the theories around the battery slows on purpose and, you know, so you get a new phone and yeah. all these sorts of things. So I've sometimes been that guy who's gone in and gone, oh, listen, you know, I need to get this repaired or my kind of headphone socket or charging socket isn't working. And I remember the last three times that I've had to go in, I've just ended up getting a new phone or yep. getting one of those, like, you know, they, they swap it over basically um, yep. for, for something that's been like, um, not regenerated i can't i don't, don't know what the refurbished. word refurbished that's it um where and i've sometimes I've, I've stood there thinking if only <clears> i could <throat> just buy the part and you know like a car really like if i could buy a new gearbox or if i could buy a new battery and then just put it in i'll be absolutely fine like why do i have to change the whole bloody thing so yeah i think yeah, yeah. i think for something like this i think it's great um i also think that it would it just allows people to you know these phones are expensive regardless whatever brand right these new smartphones that are coming out they're very expensive it yep. also allows accessibility for people to keep hold of their phones and just kind of yep. repair them and, and not necessarily always have to go to a new one and be forced or be felt like you know your your hands being kind of twisted um and i think it's good and it yeah it does remind me for wagamama's make your own kit because yeah, you, hey, Wagamama's is brilliant. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, it's almost like ordering that and getting everything sent over to you, and then all you have to do is follow the instructions, and then bang, away you go. Um, so yeah, I think it's great. Full full disclosure, because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Um, I have a Samsung S twenty one Ultra, mm. and I got it recently because it's got about a lot of cameras on there, isn't it? Well, a lot of my job is filming. And especially yeah. at home, like videos and stuff like that. And, and I want it to look good because mm. it's my whole job is based around content. So I, I kind of went, uh, maybe it's not the most sustainable thing to do, but I want to have a phone that can give me really good mm. video quality. Mm. So full disclosure, saying that. Yeah. I do. I was really tempted to get a Fairphone. Mm. Fairphone 4 has just been released. Mm. It's... Uh, positioning itself as the sustainable long-lasting phone yeah. um, and it's completely modular and you can basically replace everything it's 4g sorry it's 5g rather it's got a five-year warranty it's electronic waste is neutral yeah. um, and it's it's not crazy amounts to buy their their first model is um, that you can get is 579 euros right yeah. It's so about 500 quid. Yeah, yeah. Which is cheap for a smartphone. Yeah. Well, and it looks like an iPhone. It looks it looks like a well, it's Android, but it yeah. looks not dissimilar in in style from an iPhone mm. 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and I think that that stuff like that is putting pressure on the big brands yeah. in the space to um to, to to change because with Fairphone one two three, it looked a bit plastic mm. and the specs weren't great, and you could argue that it was a great sustainable option and it was a green option and, and whatnot. But now that actually, when you look at the specs mm. and you look at what it can do, 
you know, and 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 it's not actually dissimilar from the low end recent smartphones mm. that are available in the market. Mm. You go, well, it's a viable alternative. And mm. as soon as it becomes a viable alternative, then it puts real pressure on Apple and Samsung and everyone else, mm. Google, mm. effectively, to go down this modular route of being able to repair yeah. and fix your phones. Mm. And and like you're saying, the, if, 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 if that, if, as simple as putting being able to put a brand new battery in a phone means that you, you're not having to upgrade all the time. And if it wasn't for the camera part for me, then... I would I would have been quite happy. Like my old phone did everything I needed it to do. It's mm. got to the point where what what are we upgrading for beyond wanting to have the latest phone? Yeah, no, exactly. And and I think I think you touched on the sustainability element. I think that's becoming more and more apparent. And people are probably thinking, look, you know, this just isn't right. I can't, you know, when when you're looking at kind of offsetting your carbon footprint and being a bit more sustainable and just altering kind of some decisions that you make, you know, in, in everyday life um, in order to look after the environment, I think something like this can be easily done. And if you can just keep your handset for maybe a year, year and a half longer, you know, in hindsight, it might not feel like much, but it is probably doing a lot more for the environment if everyone or mostly everyone in the world is doing that. So, yeah. Um, I think it's great, and actually, I'm I'm on the the Fairphone website at the moment, and it looks very very good. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like a good phone. Yeah, right? it, it looks. Fairphone like... three didn't. No. It was a bit plastic and whatever else, but mm. Fairphone four does. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the point. Like, there is an element that you you want a phone that kind of that you get out of your pocket, and people don't go, "What's that?" Yeah, I mean, you you don't want to be sat in a restaurant or a bar with your mates, and you have your phone on your table and. You don't want people to go. What is that? You know, is that yeah. uh, is is that from you know the toy shop, like the kids' phone or something? But, yeah. yeah, but this is not. No, no, and I think um, and I and I think it's that, and the increased exposure that they're getting mm. that is. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's that that's maybe putting pressure on the likes no, of Apple. And the, the, and the other thing, coming back to Apple, I mean, it's one thing saying they're going to do this, like it is extortionate how much they charge for the simplest of, of parts that's true as well that are apple true. branded so yeah. it's like they might be doing this but how much is it going to cost for these parts because yeah, like you know you get the little USB-C to whatever adapter lightning adapter or whatever 30 quid. It's, oh, it's a joke yeah, yeah it's an absolute joke yeah 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 it's and, I, and i've got i've got a macbook pro so i've got some app, like the magic mouse that i bought for my macbook pro is just like ludicrous. Yeah. What's that about ninety quid? Something like that. Uh, yeah, more than that, I think. Really? I, I can't remember now. Stop it. But it was just like yeah. madness. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's not cheap, and then also they're very clever. At, you know, as soon as you put like a a dodgy market one in, uh, you know, yeah. then it, it it doesn't work properly or it doesn't do the kind of job, and it comes up straight away saying, "Oh, this is not a Apple product," and it's like, "Oh God, okay, yeah, caught me guilty." Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Let's see, but I think I think they're probably they're, they're making steps in the right direction, which I think helps. Um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully. Well, look, we better stop recording so I can get this out because it's already ten o'clock on Friday morning, and this normally would have gone out by now. There's so, there's uh, people refreshing their phone at the moment, wondering where are these two? Yeah, where are these two dumpties? Uh, and where is my you know daily or weekly intake of, uh, of twice talk? weekly at the minute? Yeah, twice weekly. Yeah, there we go. Right. Uh, Okay, have a lovely weekend, mate. You too, mate. Cheers.